0: Please be seated. Well, we have a lot going on today. And as we bring forward and prepare the gifts of bread and wine, as we make offerings of the first fruits of our lives, things we do every week, so we will also give thanks and ask God's blessing on those memorial gifts we have received in the year past. These are things we do every year. Consecrating to holy use this year a needlepoint stand, floor stand, a decorative cloth for our chapel, and a birdhouse for our garden. But this year we're also giving thanks for uh, each of the five labors of our capital work by which we've invested in the spread of the gospel for the future of this community and attended to the places in which we gather, the church and the parish house and the spectacular Kennedy Courtyard. These are all gifts of saints present many in honor of saints past, and all markers of the kind of generosity that happens regularly in a community founded in and on the love of God. A few of you are wearing stickers today of the capital campaign that will in time be replaced by handsome lapel pins and will spread throughout our congregation as as markers of fidelity as we each complete our commitments to our capital work, and I hope you will sport them with pride as reminders of what we can accomplish together. All this is wonderful and is only possible in a sense because of the most important things we do today as we remember that we are part of a community of faith that transcends the here and now, a community of saints across the world and down the ages, and as we remember in particular those who have touched our lives here, those who have borne witness in their time, and those who have taught us about that love that frees us for abundant life today and forever. Our worship in the glorious setting of this Hassa Requiem, with particular remembrance of those buried from here in the year past, all these actions point us to or orient us or turn us toward God, who is the source of life and who even now shapes us for life in a community freely choosing to be bound to one another in love. In times past, the church for many years made a distinction between all saints, thought of the big biblical leaders and the fathers and other distinguished Christians, fathers of the church, those of particular merit, often measured by miracles they were believed to have performed, and in distinction to that, all souls, a feast for the rest of us that was on November 2nd. But these days we are more likely and consciously, actually, to muddy the distinction in part because admirable admirable virtue is somehow less important than being connected, in loving, and being loved. These days we celebrate might well have exhibited particular virtue rather in the sense of the wisdom of Solomon. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God and no torment will ever touch them The righteous are those who have been tried and tested in the furnace of life. They will govern nations and rule over peoples. The faithful will abide with God in love because grace and mercy are upon his holy ones. But they might not have been virtuous. They might just as well be like a reprehensible character in a movie I saw recently. I'm not going to tell you the name of the movie because it was an Amy Schumer movie, just for those of you who... I don't want you rushing off blaming me for what's in it. But at one point, and I can tell you about this part of it, that one point, the Amy Schumer character is memorializing her deceased father. And she said, I bet he probably hurt every single person here, and they're all nodding. And then she says, but hands up everyone who's really gonna miss him, and he was one of our favorite people. And they all put their hands up. Because what what was most important in the end was not the hurt or the loss, although that's important, but the love and the affection, that's what mattered most in the end. And so let's think about Lazarus, an odd choice I thought at first glance of the choosers of the lectionary for today, but a happy one Thinking for those of us thinking about what matters for any of us in the end, for any of us who are committed to love in bound in community for it is love that raises Lazarus from the dead. Yes, he's raised only to die again, presumably, but he's raised and then released from all those strands or bonds of death that bound him in the tomb. Ironically, as we think today of those who have gone before, so we also think today about the deathliness that is so much part of our life. It doesn't take a massive act of imagination to recognize all those ways in which the power of death infects our lives all the time. I'm not just talking about obvious, I'm not talking about the stuff in the news, but about the ways in which death is part of our own lives in our own temptations to power and dominance, our rage whenever we find ourselves thwarted or feel a degree of impotence as the world changes and past eugenemies fade in favor of a much more morally and racially and internationally multivalent world, I'm struck by how hard it is when we're not used to being a kind of loyal opposition or we're not used to being a minority and we find the world changing around us. It's enraging for those who have been dominant in society, the creators and holders of the vision, the ones who say how things are and who and what matters most. It's enraging to find that the world and the rules and their particular place in it is changing. This past week, along with about 10 parishioners from here, Sage and I attended the annual meeting of the Compass Rose Society, to which we belong as All Saints of the Anglican Communion. The Archbishop of Canterbury spoke very powerfully and movingly of the difficulty of bringing together Anglican leaders of widely differing and deeply held opinion as to the future of the Communion. He spoke about the hard work of reconciliation in a broken church and a broken world, and we all applauded and cheered. And then we had to do it because I was seated next to a lay leader of a Virginia parish who was broken with the Episcopal Church. They're trying to stay in the conversation, apparently. She was so convinced of the rectitude of her moral position about homosexuality and the requirement of celibacy and the like, all positions with which I'm quite familiar, but which she felt it necessary to rehearse for me. It was a really fun dinner. (laughs) I found myself deep in prayer. Please, God, (laughs) help me. She felt that she and those of her ilk had been abandoned by the church. And my suggestion would have fallen on deaf ears that instead of breaking communion, she could hold her beliefs within the church, within the community that had raised her, but was changing. And the spiritual challenge for her, as it has been for many of us in that case, would be learning to be and live as a minority, an experience hard really to grasp for those of us Who have lived as privileged white people used to being the dominant streams of dominant culture. All that rage and righteousness, the kind of deathliness that binds us and which can only be overcome by love, committed love, committed love in a community bound by love. In a world of differing visions and of rapid change, the spiritual task for every one of us is surely how to work for the common good both when we do hold the dominant position and when we do not. This increasing cultural attitude of making sure that I'm going to impose my vision come hell or high water, and I'm going to do it by making sure you don't prevail, and more than that, I'm going to insist that I am the righteous one on the side of God. This is the kind of attitude that gives religion a bad name, just saying, and it's out there in the world. The good That comes when today, like today, we gather to remember what matters, to remember those who have gone before, to celebrate the blessings we enjoy in this community, to renew our commitment to one another, to renew our commitment to the common good, to discovering the common good in a time of change, and to hear the gospel of love that is stronger than all the ways in which we are gripped by death. Because in the end, it's love that matters more than all the hurt and all the displacement and all the rage. It's love that says, come out of that tomb. Take off the bindings and live the abundant life you are promised. So I'm going to suggest that this, this day, instead of our usual time of silence, that we stand. I invite you to stand now. And with one heart and one voice, affirm our trust in the God revealed in the story of Jesus, told in the church across the world and down the ages. When we say credo, we say we put our trust, we believe. And so we say together, we believe in one God. the third day he rose again.